my name is Amanda Van Annen. Join me and my co-host, Chandra Lynn, as we take you beyond the beauty myth and get face-to-face with reality. This show covers most topics every modern woman wants to talk about. Finances, relationships, wealth, personal development, branding, and how to find purpose and discover your true, authentic self. Hi, Chandra. <laughs> I'll never get sick of that song. Yeah, I like it because it's really upbeat and it makes everyone so upbeat. So are we excited about our guest today or what? <laughs> Everybody's going to love her. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't wait. It's a topic that everybody wants to talk about relationships. And so today we've got Matchmaker Maria. And I know you all know who Matchmaker Maria is. If you're as excited to have her on the show as we are. So let me tell you a bit about Matchmaker Maria. For a decade, Maria has successfully combined four generations of matchmaking tradition and modern relationship psychology and search techniques to ensure her professional clientele are introduced to their ultimate match. She's met over 10,000 people and helped over 4,000 first dates. You're going to love Maria. She combines strong intuition with matchmaking methodology. She leverages each client's unique attachment style and preferred love language. Maria and Agape Match have been featured in New York Times, The Financial Times, Fast Company, CNN, Esquire, L, Reuters, Vice, Thrillist. Maria, welcome to Beauty and the Bee. Thank you for having me, ladies. Hi, Maria. How are you? Good. Oh, now you can see like the whole background. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so great to see what people do with their backgrounds for Zoom because now we've been on Zoom for almost a year, right? Oh, I feel yeah, like my yeah. background says a lot. I have got Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's a feminist hero of mine. Nice. I've got a Eurovision mug because I'm obsessed with Eurovision. And then just, you know, a lot of different things. It tells you a lot yeah. about me. Your personality <laughs> reflected in your background. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You have a very interesting background. We were just talking about you being from Greece or being Greek. <laughs> right. Yes. I consider myself Greek American. I was born in Europe have lived significant portions of my life in Greece, but also raised in America. So I have, I think, both legs, like two culture kid. And I'm also married to someone who's Greek. So keeping certain traditions alive, I suppose, with that. That was unintentional, of course, though. Yeah. So one thing I was reading is when I was reading your bio, one thing it said was that this is a generational thing. Have you been like matchmaking? Is this a family thing? It was not a family business, like for me to take over. I think for a lot of Greek families, there is, there is like a matchmaking background because people did meet through matchmakers prior to 1980. And who was a matchmaker in a community or in a village? It was always the person who was making the best coffee and was really great at keeping secrets. And one of those people in my lineage is my grandmother and her mother and her grandmother. My mother had, it was never professionally matchmaking. She has worked for me in the past, but I've always kind of skipped her on this. And what I do and what my grandmother did are two very different things. You know, someone would come to her from her village or my grandfather's village and say stuff like, well, I want to marry my daughter. Who do you think? Or, you know, she would make introductions for marriage in sometime in the next three months. Whereas I hope that my clients go on a second date in the next two weeks with pandemic dating, or I hope that someone I set up might get remarried or married in the next three years. So it's very different, different landscape, different cultures. You know, my grandparents, they set up people that were of the same ethnicity, same religion. I do not have that option in 
the great city of New York and very diverse. You learn a lot of different ways to match people in terms of looking for their shared values, communication styles, lifestyle. So do you just have a big database of people? How do people even join or get on that to be considered? So you can join my database for free. It's if you just go to agapimatch.com, which is my company's name and website. And how do people find it? I mean, people, you know, and stuff like this or um, following me on social media has definitely driven a lot of people or when we're featured in the press. But that has built a really robust database even though I work primarily with New Yorkers, if someone signs up from a different city or a different country, we get match requests from other services every single day. You know, in fact, this morning I had a Floridian matchmaker contact us. I had another matchmaker in London contact us who are asking, you know, hey, do you have any matches that we could look at? And so we'll we'll send those matches out to matchmakers that we trust that we can help find matches for their clients. So there's a whole matchmaker network out there. I'm actually one of the co-founders. So there is the Matchmakers Alliance. It's about 350 professional matchmaking companies strong. And the entire purpose of the Alliance as a trade association for professional matchmakers is to be a collaborative platform. So if you were to hire a matchmaker, if she's at least part of the Alliance, you can trust that hopefully she is not leaving one stone unturned. You know, she is not just limiting herself to what she can get as a matchmaker, but you know, what have other matchmakers received over the years? So it's a really great way for matchmakers to collaborate. Yeah, because I also noticed that your matchmaking service, unlike a lot of them, you offer a lot of services because apart from the matchmaking, you do a dating refresh, you do the group coaching and intensive, you've got the style consultation, you've got the photo shoot, Now, is this because sometimes you get a client in, like he's an executive or she's an executive, and, you know, they're so busy working, they're in their little world, and now they want to go out and start dating. And all of a Mm -hmm. sudden, you're like, hey, you want to go out and start dating, but you have to present, you have to put your best foot forward. So maybe you need a bit of style or a bit of just so that they get a bit more confidence. Yeah, I'm really proud of the other programs that we have. So just to go reverse list. So, you know, styling and photo shoot, I think everyone needs to refresh their wardrobe. I think everyone needs to get great photography done every single year because it makes us feel good. And we can update our LinkedIn profile. We can add some photos to Instagram and Facebook. So it's always great to get photos. And especially if you're online dating, you have to think of, especially your first photo, you have to think of it as the cover page to your, the marketing plan that is you. And knowing that, that can really help when it comes to taking online dating photography. With our other programs, so you're showing on the Dating Refresh, this is a program that I'm just so proud of in conjunction with the Group Coaching Intensive, which is a small group that I've developed for professional women. The Dating Refresh, he backs off of that. So we are able to provide three months of online dating management. The reason why we do that is because one of the things that we've noticed, especially during the pandemic, I mean, the Dating Refresh program has been out since 2015, but especially during the pandemic, people are experiencing dating fatigue, online dating fatigue. And so what we try to do is we have a professional pretend to be you. We have one of my staff takes over your profile persona, your avatar, if you will, and she just sets you up on the date so you can just enjoy yourself on the date not have to worry about, did I swipe away my soulmate? Or is this person weird? Like we'll try to vet these things and constant communication with our clients. The dating refresh program is specifically built for women, professional women. And 
it's one of the things I'm actually most proud of because it has a high success rate. It's 90% success rate that will get you into a relationship in the next six months. So Maria, can I ask you something? What are your clients looking for? I mean, I don't want to say what are your clients looking for, but sometimes I find dating services really peculiar because I agree with you on one side where in the old days, your mom would introduce you to someone or your friend's friend. There was a lot of introductions. In today's world, we're really busy. People are global. They're traveling all the time. They don't have that much time. But mm -hmm. also that said, I feel like sometimes people are looking to finding a partner as just another thing to fit into the, they've got the career going and now they need a partner and they're just looking for that thing. So they find someone to help them find somebody. Do you kind of get I, what I, I get what you're saying. I think you just touched upon like something that's pretty big. So dating mm -hmm. is a really new concept. You just mentioned that people used to get set up through their parents or through a matchmaker mm -hmm. or through friends. And that is what we call courtship. Yes. And what's great about courtship is that, you know, if you were to meet someone through your friends or through your parents or through a matchmaker, you can almost feel assured that the person being set up with already has a shared set of values and lifestyle. Well, maybe not necessarily lifestyle, but definitely the shared set of values. So you don't have to have like certain foundational conversations that you'd have to have with a stranger. So dating is a very new concept. It's, I would tell you probably started in like 1980 for most countries. Mm -hmm. Like I will tell people, you know, don't get married unless you've hit the two year mark, because that will just really help you with the divorce rate plummets. And people will sometimes say to me, yeah, but my mom married my dad after they dated for three months. And I go, well, yeah, but they had shared friends. They had the shared lifestyle. They had shared values. Like it's not the same as meeting a stranger in 2021. It's not the same with all the distractions. Now to answer to the point about, you know, what my clients are looking for, anyone that's worked with me personally is looking to usually get married and have kids in the next three years if they're below 45. If they're over 45, it's usually to look either for, again, to get remarried or to just be in a long-term and committed relationship. So luckily I don't get to meet a lot of men who just want to like date around or hook up. That's not been the case. I don't know why someone would invest in a matchmaker <laughs> to do that. Yeah, um, um, That's not what I mean particularly, okay. because I find like from the experience my friends have had with matchmakers being female, some mm -hmm. of them say that some of the men, they do want to meet someone. But they have right. this idea of this person in their head yeah. that no one and no one is ever good enough. So I observe that with a lot of women over the age of 35. I don't know if this is the case with your friends, but sometimes mm -hmm. after a certain age, not all women, but a lot of women, we can become our own worst enemies. So we tend to confuse what standards are versus what's being picky. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if we've waited that long for the right guy, a lot of women don't want to settle for anything less than this arbitrary list that's been created maybe when they were 22 because they'll say stuff like, well, if I'm going to date a guy who, who's not even college educated, I could have dated him in my 20s. Well, I've waited this long. He has to be perfect now. The problem, of course, with that thinking is that the 1% woman or the 2% woman, like the top 2% earning of women or top 2% educated women, they look for things that the one and 2% man does not look for. Sometimes women will say to me, like, he has to be this height. He has to be this educated. He has to make this income. Okay. None of those things tell you anything about that person's character, but okay. Mm -hmm. But if you ask those men, what are you looking for? Not once do they ever talk about how much income should she be making or what kind of career she should have. Sometimes I'll have men that say, you know, it would be great if she was intellectually curious or passionate about something. 100% I will get men saying to me, she has to be passionate about something. But it's never, 
she has to make this income. She has to be this height. The genders, the hetero, and we're talking about like in a heterosexual world, the genders are very mm -hmm. different in how they look for stuff. It does seem like there's certain deal breakers that are really important to look at. Like if one person wants kids and another person doesn't, I mean, it seems like there's certain ones that would be definitely worth having that criteria around and, or yeah, and I don't, right. If yeah. someone doesn't want to have kids, I don't even, I don't even entertain the conversation of someone when there's deal breakers, like proper deal breakers. We don't, we don't even entertain the idea of setting them up. I'm not going to convince someone to start having children. No, yeah. that's what I was thinking is that, so what are some of the common deal breakers? There's, there's the having kids thing. Are there any others that are real stick funny because I was going to ask that. Oh, that's cool. a great question. So I do predict a new deal breaker showing up in a few weeks in the United States, and I'm sure it's going to be the same in Europe pretty soon as well. But the most common deal breaker is smoking or substance abuse. I do get, maybe it's because we're based in Manhattan, but a massive deal breaker is someone who voted a certain way in the 2016 or 2020 elections back <laughs> in the United States. So we get that a lot. I think that's probably in every single person's profile at this point over the last five years, six years. So since 2015, it's just been one of, I was featured in the New York Times talking about it back in 2016. Like it was a very, I thought... Hillary would win 2016 thinking like, oh, finally, we'll be done with this like political deal breaker, but she didn't win and then just stayed on for it. It's still there. It's still, we still deal with it every single day, four times a day. Cause I usually need about four people a day to match. And now the, a new popular, I think a, a new popular deal breaker, I think is going to be vaccination. So I'm seeing it already. I see it on online dating. I'm seeing it. I've already had clients say like, you know, I only want to meet someone who's vaccinated after the month of April. Hmm. So it's like, okay, yeah. I, I hope the vaccine rollout is that quick mm -hmm. in the United States for that to happen to you. <laughs> yeah, there's not as many available. I mean, it, I think there's in many places, they're still working with, I think even 75 and above or maybe 65 and above. Luckily, I think on Monday, so when um, the Biden administration came in, they did create the war thing where distribution can increase. So because more vaccines have been manufactured in the last two weeks, I believe starting on Monday, this coming Monday, there's going to be something like double or triple the amount of vaccines going out. Mm -hmm. So I think the vaccine rollout starting in mid-February and on is going to be significantly, significantly increasing mm -hmm. over the next few weeks. So I'm in like the general category to get a vaccine and I live in New Jersey. So I think maybe I'll get vaccinated by the, at least by the end of April. Both mm -hmm. my parents are already vaccinated. So I'm hoping, you know, everyone else can, kind of, well, at least in my circle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And are people requiring tests before meeting up? I mean, is that a thing? I know that sometimes before having like STD tests, want COVID tests, like in right. order to meet you, let's both get a test or, you know, it's kind of like before having sex, let's both get AIDS tests or whatever. I mean, there's, there are some requirements for that. Are you finding that COVID tests are becoming something that people are asking for? Not yet. Oh, COVID tests. I'm sorry. Um, right. Did say, okay, I'm negative. So happened. you're negative. Now we can meet in person. That hasn't happened. So we tend to set up Zoom first dates before the second date. So we don't, even though I've set up 4,000 first dates in person prior to 2020, all of our first dates last year have been mostly on Zoom with the exception of a few who had both had already COVID and they were like, let's just meet. I'm um, curious about that. How do, can you feel chemistry the same way like how different is it when they finally meet in person and that kind of thing i think 
the only way for Zoom dating to be successful is to meet physically within seven days. Mm -hmm. So what happens for a lot of people that are falling in love right now online, it's very, what I'm about to describe is a very typical problem that's <laughs> happening right now, especially in the cold, because you're spending more time inside, is that people are falling in love with complete strangers. And because they're falling in love with complete strangers on the phone or over Zoom or over FaceTime, your expectations go so high that reality is never going to meet it. And this is why you have some men backing out last minute from dates. It's why you have, when you meet, there's no connection. It's, there's nothing wrong with either of you. It's just that you spoke too long before making sure that your pheromones and your overall chemistry aligns together. You know, with that vibe, you get that vibe check when you meet someone in person. So I do believe that you can definitely have a really great first Zoom date. But I would hope that you meet physically sometime over the next two, three days. Now, you should wear a mask, go for a walk. I think the best second date idea is to go for a walk. Why? Not, and this has nothing to do with the pandemic, but like in general, if you were to go to a restaurant or a bar for a date, you should always sit side by side, not across from each other. So even perpendicular is okay, but I prefer side by side like this. Because when you're talking, you are able to allow your eyes to wander without being rude, right? Like as I'm speaking, I, I look at different corners, right? So the same thing that people do on dates, when you sit across from someone, you're kind of focused to talk to them in the eye and it's, that can be really hard. And when you're meeting a stranger, sometimes, you know, you might blush if you're sharing something with yourself and that can make you feel uncomfortable. It might let you, might make you clam up, it might give off the wrong vibe, same for men. And I think that going on a walking date for your second date can just really do wonders for building that initial chemistry. I totally agree with you on that because sometimes think, you know, a lot of times in today's world, dates are, it's usually lunch or dinner. It's a meal of some sort. We've kind of lost that of just meeting and walking and having a casual stroll. And you kind of get to know each other better because there's no, it's effortless. It's totally, totally effortless. Yeah. And you just... When it comes to my own clients that we set up, we try not to set up more than one physical date every 10 days because we set up the first and second date. So if the first date went well, then we'll set up a second date. Yeah, I don't like to set up more than one physical date every 10 days. If they have children, so it's like separate two bubbles to think about because they have like a, you know, their ex-wife, then maybe it's like every 15 days where they'll get a physical date if it's going well. I've got a question here I want to ask. What is the one thing? What is the, maybe the three things I'd say that men are looking for mostly and then three things that women are looking for mostly in the matchmaking. So if a guy hires me, it's always, I don't know if I have three, but there's always two. That's always the same. The first thing that men always say is that she should be passionate about something. And I think what men mean by that is that maybe you're passionate about your career. Maybe you're passionate about a hobby, mm -hmm. but something that you have that's yours. I think sometimes, and you know, women feel the same too, right? Like it's not, it's just men are articulating this to me when I meet them. I think what happens is like sometimes maybe men like to go golfing on the weekends with their buddies, or maybe they like to, maybe they have their own hobbies or whatever it is. They have a full life and they don't want to feel guilty for still participating in certain activities. Like it would be great if she also has something that she's passionate about. So that way when they come home, they can share these things together. Another thing that is really common from the men that I meet is like, what are the three-year goals? So I think when someone goes to make the investment to hire a matchmaker, some of those goals include like, I'd really like to get married, have kids in the next three years. Like three years from now, I'd like to be a dad. And so he's looking for a woman who would like that same, they'll have those same goals. Of course, this is really relative on age or what, and you know, and whatnot, but 
that's usually a very popular reason mm-hmm. that we hear like in terms of like third um maybe be someone being fit I think people misunderstand this as someone being thin, but that's actually not the case. I think for some men who are active and have active lifestyles, you know, are you working on yourself? I think that's usually what they mean by that, and right? Do you ever get men that just want a woman that stays at home? I do know that there's a lot of men that want that too. Like they just right. want- that's happened to me. I think like in the last 12 years, I think I've had like three or four men like that who are like, mm-hmm. I have enough money to have five households. She does not need to work. If she wants to, she might, that, you know, that might not be for me. I'd really like to have, you know, four or five kids or three kids. And I'd really love it if she was a stay-at-home mom. So that's, that's been a request. But you know what? I also have a big database filled with women who only want that as well. There's a lot of women who are not career-oriented. They'd really love to be a stay-at-home mom. Is that me personally? No, I, I'm a better mom because I work. It's all relative to the person. I don't get that as often in New York. So. Yeah, New York's a very different city, but I I used to get matchmakers call me on my friends in the past because they used to have a shortage of women. And I've never they, had that. I've you, never, yeah, ever had a shortage of women. That's why I like your matchmaking because your matchmaking seems like it's more genuine. It's two genuine sides. That so wanted- I only take, yeah. I mostly only take men as clients because mm-hmm. I don't want to be in a position where I cannot deliver everything that a woman that hires Mm -hmm. us wants. And that can be very difficult, but that's how we developed the dating refresh program because our matchmaking program has a 90% success rate for men. Our coaching program, our dating refresh program has a 90% success rate for women. And that's why it was developed. It was to answer to, you know, helping the genders. So I thank you so much for saying what you said though, about my company. I, I think that's like one thing that of the things that I'm proud of, I do appreciate how I think genuine and sincere we can be. Mm-hmm. I've always been a let's be transparent as possible. And if yeah. I always say to people that meet us too, it's like if I can't help you, I will refer you to the right matchmaker who can. Because I am, you know, your first match has to be with your matchmaker, and I am not going to be the best match for all people. Did you watch the Indian matchmaker show on Netflix? No, uh, I don't. I don't watch dating shows. Um, check it out. Done, it will- yeah. It focuses specifically on the matchmaker. So, I mean, she does profile some of the cases that she's working on, but I thought that was kind of a cool. um, I've heard about it from a ton of people. I would say like 40% of our clients are Indian. We have thousands of Indian singles in my database too. So do you think that's, I've already experienced Indian matchmaking. I don't need to watch it. I watch like like true crime when I'm done from here or like the (laughs) reruns. I can't, I can't. <laughs> well, she'll consult the, uh, you know, an astrologist every once in a while and stuff. Do you have yeah, any do modalities that. that are? That I don't are- do that. Do that. I think the reason why um, we're so popular among Indian singles as a matchmaking service is because I don't do what a typical Indian matchmaker would do. And there's no disrespect. I love a lot of Indian matchmakers. In fact, I went to India two years ago for a conference on Indian matchmaking that I was speaking at. And it's a very interesting culture and like what they do, that's not what we do. I don't consult astrologers or although I do have one that I could call, I don't do that. (laughs) I try to match, you know, fundamentally based on values and lifestyle and communication style. I think it's big in the Indian community because even till today, Indians have arranged marriages between families and they do things the old way. And a lot of Indians are kind of used to that. It's kind of the traditional way. And sometimes when you change culture, even though you're Indian American or stuff, your parents sometimes still want you to meet 
the good oh, girl. Oh yeah, I get I get bio data. That's what it's called <laughs> in my inbox every single day. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. I experience it. You know, forty percent of my clients are Indian, so I totally mm-hmm. understand the background behind that culture and subculture of how they do it. And you know, it's very interesting how they arrange marriages too. You know, I am not one to snuff. They base matchmaking so much on community, subcast, caste, religion. And the matching of values between families, like if the family's values don't match, the kids don't even meet. It's a very interesting form of matchmaking that I really appreciate. I I really respect, but it's very different than what we do. I don't meet people's parents or siblings. I do remember seeing this tree in India that was really dressed up beautifully. And I remember asking like, why is that tree so beautiful? Like it looked like a a wedding pom-pom my guide there said, oh, that's a wedding tree. And I go, okay, explain. And he goes, well, some people's astrology says that their first spouse is going to die. So what you do is you get married to the tree, <laughs> divorce the tree, I guess, and then you get and remarried then, to your spouse. Yeah, and, get it and I was just like, okay. <laughs> and then that, was, that, that was pretty funny. So <laughs> That is so funny. One thing we always talk about as women is I live in LA and there's so many single women in LA. I seem to know single women all over the world, but I guess it's the same for men. And I always have this analogy where I go, everybody's saying they can't meet somebody, but everybody's looking for somebody. And because everybody's saying, I can't find a, a guy, I can't find a girl, whatever. But then if you can't find each other and you're both looking for each other, how come It's just not happening. And people need matchmakers more and more these days. I think that is partly because life has just got so much busier. Yeah, that's actually the real answer. And also your networks tend to become a lot more narrower as you get older. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to make friends, friends of the opposite gender as you get older. Let's say you're a gentleman, some of your guy friends, they'll get married. And those wives, they might want to set you up, but their friends might also be married. So your network starts to get narrow and narrower. And, but there's also, I think we're also avoiding that there are people out there who love the idea of outsourcing this part of their life. They think to themselves, well, I've made really bad choices in the past. Let me just hire a professional. Just like someone could say, I'm really bad at boiling an egg. Let me get a chef. I'm really bad at dusting my living room. Let me get a maid. I'm really bad at my love life. Let me hire a matchmaker. So if you're used to outsourcing things, then this is definitely, that's a very popular reason for someone to hire a matchmaker. It's not just about, I can't meet anyone. It's no, I, you know, I have clients who have renewed with me, like even if they didn't get a relationship or they broke up or they divorced, they come back because they have gotten addicted to the concept of someone else setting them up. They don't see themselves ever going online. And of course, you know, I have clients who are celebrities, A-list celebrities, B-list celebrities, CEOs, and they, how are they supposed to date? Who are they going to date? You know, if they, if it's on Forbes that, you know, they make this much money a year, it's really hard to trust people when they go out and hiring a matchmaker who does blind introductions or might have, you know, this one client I had who was very A-list. I had to have women sign NDAs before they went on dates because they'd make a lot of money going to, you know, US Weekly and say, Us Weekly and saying, Oh, I want to date with this guy. And think about, you know, some CEOs, like I've had some really famous CEOs where their shareholders do not want them to be single. They want them to be in relationships. So they'll also invest in a matchmaker to do the dating where it's like, but they're not going to swipe. If you have 30,000 employees, you're not online dating. You are acting as the person that's kind of vetting. Right. But there's no guarantee still. 
You're right. There's no guarantee. You could go to a bar and meet people that there's no guarantee you'll end up with any of those people. You go to a wedding and meet your friends. There's never a guarantee in dating, but are you extending your network in a different way through a matchmakers network? Yeah. And that's, there's more odds to that than not doing anything, continuing doing what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm not for everyone. Matchmaking is not for everyone. It's for certain people. I've never said I'm for everyone. It definitely makes a statement that you're committed and that you're looking for something serious. I think there's a lot of people who will get online and they're taking a very casual approach or like a, Mm -hmm. let's just see what happens kind of approach. And it sounds like when people sign up to work with you, that they're really serious about making a commitment. They have, you know, you're kind of coaching them through these three-year goals and you have tips and things to kind of help them show up as their best self. And so that shows that they're also putting the effort into showing up that way and receiving that feedback. If you're single and you're looking for someone who is serious and wants a commitment, then working with a matchmaker can also show that people on the other side are serious too and kind of cut out some of the challenges that you have on online dating and things like that. I think what works for matchmaking is like, think about if you met through a friend, you know, so many things you don't really have to ask. It's all vetted out for you. And that's what I do. For every person my client meets, I've probably met 20 or 30 people to vet out who I think might be the best chance at getting them in a relationship. And it's why most of our clients enter relationships with their fourth or fifth match a couple months into a contract, because it's like, you know, every time they go on a date, we calibrate our search. I get feedback after their date. I get feedback from their match after their date. And then I can assess like, well, who should the next match be? What should we concentrate on? What should we focus on? It's definitely an interesting I didn't think I was going to become a matchmaker. I always tell people I thought I was going to go into the foreign service. I have a master's in global affairs. Like everything was pointing to some other direction, but I think I'm really no nonsense and people really trusted that factor about me. And if I'm the person to hire then you know, or to just be even be in the database to be considered, the the lines are open. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think there's so many challenges these days with online dating, like with catfishing and all of this um, that. And I've also thought about, you know, what you said, even when you're not an A-list celebrity or CEO, you still want a certain amount of privacy in a lot of cases about, you know, or sensitivities that, you know, putting yourself out there and, and you're on the app may cause some, cha- you know, just considerations for people to not want to have to do that, not want to put themselves out there in that public of a forum. I've had a few like widowers in the past, unfortunately, but that is the case. And it makes perfect sense that they hired us because if you are the sole parent at home, you have no help. How are you supposed to date? Look, there's a lot of widowers out there. So I'm not, I think sometimes people really delay dating when they have young children because they think, especially when they're online dating, because they think, okay, now I have to pay for a sitter, make sure my kids aren't sick, make sure they can do this and then go out in case this date goes well. Like there's a lot that you're gambling with. And during COVID, I don't even know how many single parents who have full custody of their kids are dating. Like I was recently being interviewed by a television station and they said something like, who has it the hardest? And I said, There's only one subset of people that have it the hardest right now, and that is single parents who have 100% custody. They have it the hardest because they can't date. And I feel really bad. I feel horrible. It's something that really upsets me because I feel like, if anything, single parents really need companionship and they're, they're stuck in a global pandemic that doesn't allow them to even just take a break from their kids, let alone even meet someone new. 
It's absolutely true. I have a couple friends going through that too. And it is very hard. And especially if the person they're dating on the other side has kids as well at home, there's no really place that they can go out together. Maybe if outdoor dining is open, you can do that or taking the walks we talked about. But beyond that, it's hard to really get familiar. And, And also the other thing that's been interesting with some of my friends have reported is that accepting people into your home is something that you, you know, you have to kind of embrace earlier with the pandemic than you normally would. And so you might be, you know, making a dinner for someone or having them over at a time when maybe it almost feels too soon. Normally you'd be out in the world dating or doing activities and there's not much else to do. So you have a over, and then it can be a little bit, um, you're accelerating a relationship that, you know, you should, you might not necessarily would be in in normal times. Yeah, that's definitely happening. You would just have them over. So as a matchmaker, what advice would you have for anyone watching this that is thinking, probably they're looking for a matchmaker, but they're trying to find someone at the same time Mm -hmm. and maybe they can't afford a matchmaker. But what general advice would you have if someone is really wants to meet someone and they So I have a call to action. It's actually not directed to single people. It's directed to people that are in relationships. We need to help our friends and family that is currently single and unable to meet new people. And in normal times, maybe they'd go to your wedding. Maybe they'd go to your barbecue. Maybe they'd go to Mm -hmm. some event where they got to meet your friends, but they don't have that opportunity right now. So it's our responsibility. We must all, this is a call to action to all Mm -hmm. people in relationships. You need to find two friends. I want you to find two single friends and set them up each on two dates over the next <laughs> three months. I told so you. We all have to do it. We all have to do it. We all have to pick two friends and do that. If you are single, what you can do is tell them, matchmaker Maria said, you have to help me go on a date two times in the next three months. That's it. I'm I just need you to set me up two times. I'm going to send them this video. I'm going to be like, watch yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. And if you are single, like, you know, one of the ways I met my husband is I thought about the kind of person I want to be with. Like I thought mm-hmm. about the kind of person I'd like to have kids with. And I wrote it down and I thought to myself, which of my friends is dating someone like this? There were two of them. So I went to both of their boyfriends and I said, listen, next time you go out with your friends, I want you to invite me. I didn't ask them, Hey, set me up. I said, next time you go out with your friends, I need you to invite me. And one of them, you know, he was in Boston. One of them, he said to me, hey, on Friday, it was a Wednesday. On Friday, I'm going out for drinks with nine of my buddies. You said for me to call you next time I go out, I'm going out on Friday. I got myself on a train (laughs) and I went to Boston. This is a guy that had all the qualities I'm looking for. And thank God he's married to one of my best friends. Guess what? Nine of his friends, almost all of them were just like him in terms of values and communication Mm. style. And Mm. one of those men would end up becoming my husband wow so i you know i'm asking you to like not only go out to your friends and say no you have to set me up but say like next time you have a zoom party or can you throw a powerpoint zoom party it's like a fun party look it up or you know throw a pictionary zoom party invite me and some of your guy friends like it's please introduce me to two people i just want a zoom date can you just do that for me two people we all have to adopt two single people and single people need to tell their friends who are in relationships you have to set me up because I would normally go to an event you're throwing and meet someone that's not happening. So you owe me right now. I definitely think proximity is something that we used to be able to count on a lot from meeting people, you know, through work or through school or through the gym. And without that proximity, you can't feel that chemistry 
and it does require a little bit extra effort. So I appreciate those ideas. That's a really, really fantastic idea. And it also puts an exclamation point on the idea that aligning based on values is a really great right. uh, thing to, to focus on first. And of course, like, don't you want to be the one that gives the toast at their wedding? Like, do it. It'll be a lot of fun. It's very exactly. rewarding. I promise you. You're responsible for the match. It feels yeah. good. Yeah. Wait till they have kids. Oh my God. It's like an honor. Oh, yeah. That's really sweet. And I think a lot of it also has to do with accountability. When people come to you, they're accountable. Yeah. You know? If you meet someone through a matchmaker or through a friend, there is incredibly low chances of ghosting of breadcrumbing, of whatever dating lingo you want to put in this, it's because you're accountable to someone else. So mm -hmm. be it a friend or a professional. So yeah, I definitely, these are, this is a tip that I would recommend for 2021. Exactly. Cause I also find even before Corona, a lot of times some people just, they go on a date and they're like, oh, I've got a lot of work stuff. And then they let that go. They're not, they don't hold themselves accountable. So that's right. why I liked exactly what you did. You were like, I need to find someone my partner my life partner and you did it you got on a train you went to boston you i mean i didn't know my the guy i was meant to be with was going to be in that room but I know, and maybe but... i would have met him eventually because he was best friends with my mm -hmm. with my close friend's husband well, action but i you know it was very intentional at that time yes it was very intentional and another thing i wanted to ask you about is what about because also what i find these days is some of my friends when they're dating someone then we have other friends and other friends start telling them things like, oh, I don't think he's this. I don't think he's good enough for you. He's that. And they let their friends get in the way. Right. I mean, I think friends should play a part, but it's one thing I've decided in my life that if I meet the right person, I'm Are you not happy? Like, I, that's exactly. it. That, you that's know, I'm always scared of getting friends yeah. involved because sometimes people will date. Like, think about when your mom or dad were not happy with someone that you dated and mm -hmm. then you just dated them harder. It's the same thing. And so... If you see this with a friend or a sibling that's dating someone that's wrong for them, if you just give them the space, they'll figure it on their own. But mm -hmm. all you have to ask is like, are you happy? Because if they're happy, then it's none of your fucking business. Excuse my language. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Yeah, I agree too. And I wonder about too about red flags when you're out on a date. Are there any red flags to look out for that you can think of off the top of your head? Yes. So there's a few things that men can say on a first date and I guess women too, but I think men tend to hide their red flags really well. Mm -hmm. So if they start saying stuff about the future, you know, instead of talking about like what they like to do for the weekend, what do they like to do on a normal weekend? They say stuff like, well, let's go away this weekend or, you know, next month I want to go to Aruba. Do you want to come with me? Like that's a red flag. That is someone who is probably a narcissist who's currently grooming you with a love bomb to get into a vulnerable state where then they can emotionally and maybe physically abuse you. So that is a massive red flag. Another red flag if someone says to you that, I'm friends with all my ex-girlfriends. No, you are still involved with your ex-girlfriends lives probably because you don't want them deep down to be happy without you. And that is a form of gaslighting in my opinion. So I feel like if a man says to you that he's friends with all of his exes, I think that's kind of weird. I also think if a guy says to you that he doesn't have a lot of friends, I think as heterosexual women, we should really look for, I mean, not just heterosexual women, but like all women and men should look for people that are really strong communicators. And the only way to find a strong communicator is to be with someone who constantly makes the effort to develop their social aptitude. If a person, if a guy has one or two friends that they check in with regularly, that really helps. They have someone else to talk to and they're developing their communication that translates to a healthy relationship for you. If someone does not have those relationships, it can be really tough. And sometimes that's also a sign of narcissism. 
It's funny that you said that because a lot of these things, I wouldn't have picked them up. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have so picked them up. I think those are pretty big first date flags, you know? Yeah. Because most of my friends will go, oh my God, he invited me away for the weekend. Oh, how fun. Yeah. That's such a red flag. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I've heard that sometimes men will just project into the future and women will sometimes think, oh, well, it's a plan. Like, oh, we should go to Hawaii, you know, for Thanksgiving, whatever. And then they think, oh, it's a plan. And then the man's really just kind of trying that on for size. They're not really right. thinking of it in terms of actually activating on it. And so you can be disappointed and wonder now, oh, well, he didn't actually end up inviting me for Hawaii. So maybe that means that he's not that into me anymore. You know, when he was- we One thing, that. if you're currently in a texting relationship with someone, and I know a lot of people are that are listening and watching, you should ask yourself, does this person talking to me because he's genuinely interested in what I have to say? Does he actually want to meet me sometime in the next 48 hours? Or- is he talking to me because he likes the way it feels? Am I stroking his ego throughout this? Mm. You know, if a man ever says to you, oh, you're too good for me, or, you know, I can't believe a woman like you would even talk to me, that is a massive red flag. Mm. That is a person who's trying to get you down to their level mm. so that you can make them feel good because they don't feel good about themselves. Instead, he could say stuff like, wow, I admire you so much. You are incredible. Not, you know, you're too good for me. That's an awful thing mm -hmm. to say to someone. What happens when you go down to their level and you say stuff like, what are you talking about? Your business is doing so well. Or what are you talking about? I love that you did this and this. Again, you're just going down to their level. You're giving them compliments because to make them feel good. What happens is eventually the honeymoon phase ends and now you're going to feel resentment. You're going to feel a lot of different emotions because you're not at your 100%. You've stooped down to his level to make him feel good, to make his ego feel good. When really there has to be a balance. We have to learn to date people who admire us as much as we admire them. That's a really important thing. That's really, really true. Because I feel like a lot of times people go into relationships or are looking for someone. Sometimes they're so desperate that when they meet right. someone, they become a doormat and they let yep. that person walk all over them or vice yep. versa. Yep. It's interesting to see from a conversation where the focus is is it always on him and how is his day and what he has going on or is he asking deeper questions of you and showing not just good morning but like you know what's happening in your life or more right. more about who you are yeah that's very very interesting now we know a lot more about dating and all i love the red flags i love the myth busters and i love your predictions so thanks for sharing all of them yeah thank you, thank you. Much I'm enlightened because I would never have thought about the red flags. I just thought, oh, what an asshole. I mean, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, you feel that in your gut that he was an asshole, one way or the other, right? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. those are some really good tips. And I think everybody, I would love more. Do you have anything to offer as far as like follow up for anybody's interested? Should they just go to your website? Is there anything else we can offer them? I am really funny on social media. So you can always follow me on Instagram okay. at Matchmaker Maria or TikTok, Real Matchmaker Maria, or on Clubhouse Matchmaker Maria. I post oh, office yeah. hours every Wednesday at 10 oh, you're p.m. On Clubhouse as well. I should I'm gonna join your room. Gonna try that. Great. I have office hours tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So okay. I go over all of the Q and A's that I take on Wednesdays on my Instagram, which is Wednesdays is a big day for me. So if you go on my Instagram, you'll see a link to all the stuff that I work on. So I always give different speeches that I invite people to, or, you know, joining our next Agape Intensive Group Coaching Intensive, which happens once a month in a group environment. It's really great. And there's a link for that there as well. Wow. 
That'll be so fun to follow you on social media and get more hot tips. Thanks for sharing. Oh, yeah. With us. yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for coming on the show. I was so excited, you know, that you were coming because I just wanted to talk about relationships and actually talking to a matchmaker for once. I love it. Thank so, you so much. Your enthusiasm is so infectious and I really appreciate being on Beauty and the Beat. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. So great <laughs> having you. Thank you so yeah. much, Maria. No problem. Have a good one.